This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. As early as Christmas last year, many in Hollywood were already predicting there will be there would be blood at the box office in 2024. We're not talking about the type with two studio tentpole movies going at each other. We're talking about the red ink kind, and it will be felt on both sides, studios and cinemas. With the latter, many have said, uh, experiencing, a, experiencing a tough year. Well, the weakest part of the 2024 theatrical schedule is arguably in its first four months. We're already seeing that. A lot of the poor showing, of course, is uh, being blamed on the erratic pipeline of product that's coming out of Hollywood. Well, joining me now to discuss Hollywood's box office carnage is Mark Staling. Mark is CKNW's in-house movie expert and executive producer for AM730. Mark, good to see you again. Good to be with you again, Jazz. Uh, lots to talk about here. We're uh, in mid-February, and uh, I was looking at some headlines, uh, concerns already in Hollywood in regards to uh, what the box office is looking like. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, this era is, is, it goes by various different names. I read one article called January, at least, and it seems like into February, The Dead Zone, because this is where studios drop movies that, for whatever reason, they don't have a lot of faith in. And uh, here we are with, boy, the recent slate has, uh, has not been pretty. Argyle did not do well. It got destroyed at the box office. Madame Webb, I have, you know, I'll admit, I have not seen Madame Webb yet, which I guess is technically a Marvel movie, but it's not from the quote-unquote cinematic universe of Marvel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, sometimes the audience scores will actually be okay, and then you know, the critics will lambaste something in the audience. Madam Webb is just across the board um, getting lamb- lambasted by audiences, uh, critics alike. The new Bob Marley movie, I guess, is just coming on. Early returns are very, very poor for that. I thought that the era of the music biopic might have gone away, but I guess the success of Bohemian Rhapsody kind of gave it a second life. I don't oh, know okay. if you've seen uh, Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story, which was the uh, spoof of the music biopics that came out in, back in 2007, and I thought that might have put a nail in the coffin of bad kind of best of music biopics where it's just kind of let's reshoot some of the famous moments that happened in this band's career or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, they're back at it. Obviously, Bohemian Rhapsody did, did well, and there's this Bob Marley one, which is... Uh, Again, uh, not getting a lot of uh, love. It's called One Love. I think the Bob, Mar- Bob Marley One Love is what it's called. But, so yeah. the last six weeks are a bit of a graveyard for the box office. Now, do you think that it's structural, like this is going to continue? Just it's a, it's a fundamental reshaping of, of what um, uh, the movie theater means to us, per se. Like people are just saying, wait a minute, I got a big screen at home. I spent the money at Costco, good sound. I don't want to pay, you know, 50 bucks, 70 bucks to buy some t- couple of tickets and popcorn and pop and all that sort of thing. And I might as well just watch stuff at home until it comes out on streaming. Is that is this a big structural change that we're seeing? That's certainly a big part of it. It's, it's nothing new where January is where movies have gone to kind of uh, die. And in a sense, I was looking at a top list of, you know, the best movies that have come out in January. And it's uh, the two Paddington movies, which I know a lot of people like, they dropped in January, and people did like those. Sometimes, quote-unquote, dad movies, which uh, <laughs> is something we could talk about maybe down the line, but a couple of Liam Neeson movies, Taken and uh, The Grey, were January movies that actually did well. 
those are my favorite because it's about 90 minutes of your time. And at the end of the day, uh, good prevails over evil. It's simple. It's to the point, And you don't want to miss with Liam Neeson. So I get that. The 90 minute, yeah. Uh, the, there needs to be more 90 minute movies, I think, in general. It's I, a genre now. I've seen it on Netflix or something. Like, you know, they have the titles Romance, Espionage, or whatever. The 90 minute movie. Like, it's actually yeah. a title now. <laughs> no, and it's uh, obviously way back in the day, they used to have double features, and there'd be a lot of 70 and 80 minute movies back in the golden age of Hollywood. And I watch a lot of old movies, and boy, Storytelling can be a lot more efficient in, you know, yeah. 86 minutes. Uh, but uh, this uh, this period of time, there's every now and again, you'll get some crossover from late December awards movies that still drip yeah. into January. Uh, but for whatever reason, it's not just January, it's February as well, kind of a wasteland. And it, I guess things finally kick off with Dune, which comes out in March, was actually supposed to be a, a release last year, but with the Warner Brothers uh, Discovery uh they decided to yank it because of the uh, the actor strike and the lack of ability to promote it. Whether they needed to do that or not, I don't know. But certainly, a lot of people are excited for uh, Dune, which comes out in March. But uh, now there pickings is, are slim. Pickings are slim. But uh, you, you know, we want to end this on a on a positive note. There are a couple of, uh, movies coming out. Uh, that uh, you you pointed out to me, they're actually worth worth watching. They're very much worth watching. I had the privilege of seeing both of these titles at the Vancouver International Film Festival in October, mm-hmm. and they're both foreign films. They're both very different, though. The Promised Land is a Danish movie uh, starring Mads Mikkelsen, and Mads has an interesting career. It's kind of a split career. He does some really cool movies in Denmark, and then he does uh, often playing villains in in Hollywood uh, comic book movies and action movies. He was in the recent Indiana Indiana Jones. Uh, he was in, uh, well, his first kind of breakthrough in the U.S., I guess, was the villain in Casino Royale, the first Daniel Craig James Bond movie, and he was oh, yeah. very good in that. Uh, but his, 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 Danish, his Danish movies, Another Round, which came out a few years ago, is a wonderful movie. Highly recommend that. But this movie called The Promised Land, it's, it's a lot of different things. It's a period piece, yes, but it kind of almost is a bit of a Danish Western. It's about Mads as this soldier who comes out of the army and he goes off to the heath, this wasteland of just frozen tundra out in Denmark, and tries to cultivate the land and build a settlement there. So some themes similar to American Westerns were kind of going off into the unknown and trying to, to cultivate the land. Hmm. It's also kind of a chamber period drama, though, and there's also some violence in it. It's got kind of a pulpy revenge angle to it as well, and just it's beautiful looking. This uh, cinematography in Denmark is is wonderful. That has come out. That's been in theaters for a week, and that's at the Fifth Avenue. And the other one, which just really blew me away uh, at the film festival, is a French movie. Uh, It's gone through three different title changes, which often happens with foreign foreign films. When it came out at the Cannes Film Festival, it was called La Passion de Dodin Buffon. Then when I saw it at the <laughs> film festival, it was called The Pot au Feu. Now with its full North American release, they've kind of, I don't know, cranked down the coolness level of the earlier titles, in my opinion. It's simply called The Taste of Things. and Much more mainstream. Yeah, right. and it's a little bit trickier to give a plot synopsis because... It's a bit of a, a vibe movie, but it's I for me it's the best food movie I've ever seen. And there's is some that great a genre ones. food movie. Yeah, uh, t- <laughs> Tampopo, a great Japanese film about a ramen uh, restaurant, is a great one. Babette's Feast, uh, Big Night, which was directed by Stanley Tucci, which came out in the late '90s about an Italian restaurant, him and Tony Shalhoub. But this, I mean, the first thirty minutes of this is 
a meal being prepared, and it's all real food. They had a one of you watch the credits roll. It's you know written by so and so, and then culinary director is one of the the main credits. And it's about a relationship between uh, a man and a woman, Juliette Binoche playing the, the woman and uh, a French actor who's actually Juliette Binoche's ex-husband, Benoit Magimel, as this kind of gourmand. And it's about their relationship. And it's just one where you definitely want to eat before you go, uh, because if you are on an empty stomach in this, it is, it is drool worthy. It is just a beautiful small movie about uh, people and the relationship with food and how food brings people together and uh, really a lovely one and not the kind of movie, um, you know, I'm a bit more of a hard-boiled kind of, you know, I like crime movies and, you know, action movies and things of that nature. So it wasn't one that I necessarily thought I was going to be so taken aback by, but uh, it blew away everybody that saw it the final night of VIF back in October and I'm stoked that it's uh, finally getting a big screen uh, uh screening here in Vancouver. Uh, one just quick little bit interesting backstory on this movie. It was f the way it works for the Oscars in the best international feature is what they call it now, not best foreign film, best international feature. Each country chooses their nominee. And France chose this film, The Taste of Things, as their nominee. It is very, very French. It's set in the late 19th century and it's just the French countryside, all that beautiful French stuff. But the movie that uh, a lot of people said, oh, they should have chosen this, and I, I admit I have not seen it, it's supposed to be excellent, is called Anatomy of a Fall. Mm. And Anatomy of a Fall wasn't chosen as the foreign language or the international feature, but Anatomy of a Fall got nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor. It just really took off without the support of the French you know, government or film society uh, choosing it. So um, a lot of people, for whatever reason, this didn't even end up getting a nomination for, for an Academy Award, which uh, disappointed me a little bit. But it's really a, a beautiful, beautiful movie. And if you, who doesn't love good food? I mean, exactly. that, that is a universal thing, is and it I not? Think, I think the, 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 the food genre, the, the movie, the food genre for movies, when I think food, I always think of some sort of rom-com where it's an American goes to Tuscany taking a culinary course mm. and falls in love with an Italian yeah. or something or, or someone uh, in France or something like that. But this is really interesting. What I found interesting about both these recommendations, no special effects probably. No. It's just adults having conversations and a, a decent plot and all that sort of thing. And speaking, they're adult movies. They're both at the Fifth Avenue, which is a 19-plus only theater, so keep that in mind. And definitely, The Promised Land uh, definitely has some uh, some moments of, of violence, although um, some of it is uh, very, very cathartic when the, when, you know, I don't want to spoil too much, but when... Uh, when the bad guys get what's coming to them, boy, it's uh, it's great. But uh, yeah, a couple of very different ones. One might be a dad movie, the other more of a you know a mom movie. Although I don't like to. Good movies are good movies. They're both uh, really worth worth checking out. All right, The Promised Land and A Taste of Things. Basically, hopefully that will save the box office for this year. At least that's a it's a start. Besides uh, some of the other movies that haven't done so well in the first six weeks or so. Mark, thank you. Thanks for having me.